taking guide handed out to you. I'm actually going to talk on this subject for uh, the next couple of weeks. Can you turn that slightly more this way so they say, yeah, good, good. Um, uh, I'm going to be talking in the next couple of weeks on uh, a theme related to uh, leadership uh, this week. And then next week is our last, right, can that be right? Our last, next Tuesday is our last chapel for the year. That's amazing. And, uh, and so I want to talk to you about, let me just uh, share with you, you may have seen me uh, use this little diagram before to, to uh, help give an explanation of my understanding of leadership. A lot of people are, are really afraid of that word leadership. Matter of fact, I learned the secret uh, as I was uh, pastoring the church that I would never use the word leader anytime I was trying to recruit somebody. Because if I used the word leader, they would immediately go, oh, no, 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 not me. No, 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 I can't do that. Uh, you know, so I would say, uh, you know, uh, would you be willing to uh, help with a home group? You know, I wanted them to lead the group, but, you know, I, I couldn't say lead. Because if I said lead immediately, I know they would say no. So uh, sometimes we, we were intimidated by this idea of leadership. What is a leader? And uh, just this little diagram has, has helped me a lot to understand. Okay, good. Let's try this one. See if it does any better. Okay, there we go. That's better. Okay, so just a little diagram here. It says this. A leader influences people to accomplish a purpose. Okay? A leader influences people. Really what, you study all kinds of leadership books and things like that, it really, the thing you'll, you'll hear repeated over and over again is this idea of influence. A leader influences people to accomplish a purpose. And, um, you know, we, we, a lot of times we think of leaders like people would think, you know, I'm the head of the Bible school, so I'm a leader. Yeah, that's, that's a natural uh, conclusion to make. But actually, there's leadership in all different aspects of life. For example, when a, when a mother uh, influences her child to do their homework, what is she? She's a leader, right? She's influencing someone, influencing a person to accomplish a purpose. She's, she's moving them toward this idea of, of uh, fulfilling this, whatever this purpose is that's over here. A leader influences people to accomplish a purpose. Now, um, if a person just does the purpose, right? They, so right here, if, if instead of being a leader, they just do the purpose, then they are a doer. Okay, they're a doer. The problem that happens is uh, and I would do this if you had come, when I was pastoring the church, if you had come to work on staff, one of the first things I would do is we would sit down at a lunch together or something like that, and I'd pull out a, a, uh, uh, a napkin with a pen, and I would draw this diagram for you. And uh, one of the things I would say to you is this. I would, say, I would say, listen, I cannot afford to pay a doer. Because if, if I'm hiring a doer, all I get is how many people's work? One person's work. I said, if I'm hiring a leader, the leader influences other people to accomplish a purpose. So if I said to somebody, you know, I said, uh, okay, look, we need to build, dig a trench from where we are right here over to there. 
uh, need to have this done during this week to dig this trench. And I went over to you and I said, Taylor, you know, I'm going to have you, would you take care of digging this trench for me? And Taylor said to me, absolutely. And he got all excited and he got his, uh, he got his shovel and he got his pick and he got everything ready to go. And then he began to, um, he began, came out here and he began digging and digging and and doing all this kind of stuff. I'd come in several hours later, and he's gone a few feet, you know, doing this kind of thing. Then what would he be? He'd be a doer, right? That is, I asked him to do something, and so he thought the virtuous thing for him to do was for him to take up the challenge and say, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make that happen. But what I really want is a leader. And what a leader would do is a leader would look at that job and say, okay, First, we've got to define the job. How far are we going? All right, you want it to go from here over to there, okay? What kind of tools am I going to need? Okay, we're going to need certain kinds of tools to do this. And I wonder how many people I could get. I wonder if I went into the dormitory and spoke to some people and say, would you be willing to give an hour? Would you give one hour to help? We've got to dig this trench. Pastor Mike wants this done. Would you give one hour to do that? And, and when are we going to do it? We're all going to do it together on Tuesday, okay? We're going to do it Tuesday at 3 o'clock, and he would, have, he would have laid out what the schedule was going to be. And, and then he might have come to me and said, hey, uh, Pastor Mike, I've got a bunch of uh, people that are going to come work and stuff like that. Would it be possible to have maybe a, a little drink or sweets or something come from the kitchen, some cookies to help us for that hour? And I say, yeah, that'd be awesome. They're going to dig that trench for me. That'd be awesome. Let's get some cook, drink down here and cookies. And, and so he's got drink and cookies. He's got tools from the tool department. He's talked to people. He set a schedule. He set a time. Bam. And he comes down here. He's got like 25 people lined up. They start bang, 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 bang. You know, in one hour, they got the whole trench done. Are you following me? See? What is he then? He's a leader. It's two different jobs. It's not one is better than the other. Is there some, something wrong with a person who is willing to jump into the hole and start digging the trench? Absolutely not. We better have some people like that around in life or we don't get anything done, right? It's, it's not that. But the job of a leader is to influence other people, to involve other people in the process. Leaders, in a sense, uh, do this work that enables others to fulfill their destiny, right? Because there's people that have this, this uh, capacity for working on this trend, but they might never actually get out there and make it happen. They might, but the leader influences other people to accomplish the purpose. And so that's a very important uh, position, a very important place. Now, we can learn a lot about leaders from the Bible. The Bible is filled with all kinds of teaching about leaders. Some of the teaching that's in the Bible is, is what I would call uh, teaching where the Bible shows us the positive view of a leader. And then, you know, we see that and we learn from that example. But some of the teaching that's in the Bible is where the Bible shows us a ne the negative view of a leader. And we can learn from that also. And so what I want to talk to you about today and next week is the insecure leader. What happens when we have an insecure leader? What's the negative impact that can happen in that situation? And we're going to start right out in Exodus chapter 1. I think you might have this. Is the passage right there in your in your, uh, your notes? Okay, so you might have to look it up to see it. You can just l listen if you want to. That's fine. Exodus chapter 1 starting with verse 8. It says this. Now, a new king 
arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Okay, so catch the picture. We've got a new pharaoh in Egypt. Remember, Joseph has been there, and his father has been there, and all the things that Joseph did, saving, saving the uh, people in, uh, from famine and all these different kinds of things. But now there's a new king, and this guy does not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. So he's immediately, the guy comes in, he looks over what's happening in Egypt, and he looks and he sees the children of Israel, and he sees them as a threat. He's insecure immediately. He's got fear in his heart as he looks at them. Uh, And he says, verse 10, he says, Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and in the event of war, they also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart from the land. Now, even though these children of Israel have done nothing in all their history to ever show that they would commit some kind of betrayal to Egypt, even though Joseph was a son of the house who made a tremendous positive impact, this guy comes and he's filled with this anxiety. He looks at them and he says, they also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart from the land. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor. And they built for Pharaoh storage cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread out, so that they were in dread of the sons of Israel. And the Egyptians compelled the sons of Israel to labor rigorously, and they made their lives bitter with hard labor and mortar and bricks, and at all kinds of labor in the field, all their labors which they rigorously imposed on them. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives. Listen to this now. The guy is so paranoid. One of whom was Shipra, and the other... Uh, who, who was named Pua, and he said, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, they shall live. So, you know, here, here's this guy. He's so filled with insecurity, so filled that something is going to be taken away from him, that his, finally he gets led by this tremendous... Uh, insecurity he gets led by this to a solution and the solution is to murder little babies let me tell you something right now even the regular people in Egypt when they heard this they were going really that's our only way of dealing with this is to kill babies verse 17 but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them but let the boys live So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and let the boys live? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and they give birth before the midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty. And it came about because the midwives feared God that he established households for them. And then Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, listen now, every son who is born, you are to cast into the Nile, and every daughter you are to keep alive. So the whole story turns on this phrase in verse 8. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He was new, he was insecure. Okay, in your notes, number one, 
insecure leadership misunderstands the true foundation of leadership, okay? He misunderstood. So he thought he was the leader because he was the king, because he had a position, because I'm the boss, okay? That he's, he has a misunderstanding. These are, these are different ways people see leadership. You know, they see it, you know, that leadership is something that, that comes because I've been given a position, right, in some kind of way. Um, you know, uh, if, an, if an, you know, an RA, for example, thinks that they're a leader because they've been declared an RA by the school or something like this, they're, 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 they have the least, this is the, some of the lowest level of leadership. This is not how leadership really gets expressed. Okay, second in your notes, he thought he was a leader because he had the power. Because if you don't, I'll fire you, you know, basically. That's the, you know, either because I'm the boss, that's the first one. He says, he says I'm the leader because I'm the boss. Or he thought he was the leader because he had the power. You know, hey, if you don't do what I say, I've got the power to make you do this or make you do that. I can make these things happen. And he thought that that's where his leadership should be rooted, right? Uh, or third, he thought he was the leader because he had the money. You better listen to me because I pay you. That's why you're going to listen to me. Because I'm putting the money up for this situation. Uh, because I pay you, because I have the power to fire you, because I'm the boss. These are the lowest levels of leadership, right? When someone, when I have to uh, uh, get somebody to do something and I have to resort to, you're going to do it because I'm the boss, that's why. You're going to do it because I pay you, that's why you're going to do it. If I find myself at that level, then I know I'm at the lowest level of leadership that's uh, that is not that is not what real leadership is going to be rooted in how do I influence remember remember leadership is influencing people am I going to influence them out of my position or am I going to influence them with my money or am I going to influence them with power how does it happen in your notes it says this secure leadership is a cultivated influence with people it's a cultivated influence with people that's what it is and how do I develop that influence? Okay, first of all, influence develops within the context of relationships. So if, if you think about it, like, uh, for example, we'll start with the, the father, right, who is a leader. That, that's uh, sure in his family, should be a leader in the family. Now, there are fathers who are leaders in their family that they, they are leaders because they have the power. They're the biggest one there, Right? You know, you're going to do what I tell you because I, if you don't, I'm taking you over my, I'm going to, you're going to do what I tell you. I have the power in this relationship. I had to give up on that one pretty quick because my son grew to like six foot six and, and all at once I, one day when he was a teenager, I looked at him and I realized, you know what? He could take me over his knee and spank me, you know, and, 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 so, and, and I thought, you know, I can't rely on power to influence him in that way. Um, you know, so what do we rely on, right? It, it, you know, hey, you're going to, you know why you're going to do it? Because I pay for that car. That's why you're going to do what I tell you to do. See, that you know, I'm relying on, again, a very low level of leadership. But instead, I recognize that leadership is a cultivated influence with people. And, and how does that? It influence develops, for A in your notes, I think it is, influence develops within the context of relationships. So a father, you know, so what do I do as a father? As a father, I would read to my kids, right? Every night I would, 
go down. I had other things I was interested in doing, believe it or not, at that time. There were, at that time, Star Trek The Next Generation used to be on. I remember this very clearly because my wife would say, it's time for them to go to bed, and I'd be all sitting. This is pre, you know, we got no way of recording it or anything like that. I mean, this is... It's, it's like, it was like when you made appointments with your TV for things that were special to you. You don't, you don't understand this kind of world, but this is a world that we lived in, right? And, uh, and my wife would say, it's time to put them to bed. And I would be like, oh, my favorite show is just getting started, you know? And, okay, okay, you know. And I'd go to their room, and I'd read to them, and lay hands on them and pray for them every night, night after night, just laying hands, you know, and responding to interruptions from them, attending their games. I think I went to every game my kids ever played, from t-ball to little league to football to, to I mean, every sport, basketball to, you know, uh, my grandchildren have just moved back into the area and they're starting t-ball right now you know my wife is all excited I'm remembering I sat there for 18 years I don't want to do this anymore but we're going to do it we're going to go right why because I'm developing I recognize something that every time I attend that game every time I come over and play with them every time I'm interacting I'm developing an influence in their life now you might say to yourself well that's a isn't that kind of a manipulation? And uh, so what is the difference? And it's an important question for you to ask as a, as, a, as a developing leader. What is the difference between manipulation and persuasion? Right? I want to persuade somebody for something. What's the difference between that manipulation and persuasion? This is the difference. I manipulate you for my benefit. I persuade you for your benefit. See what I'm saying? I, that, that's the, it's not that the skills are any different. It's not that the influence is any different. It's, not that, it's all the same. But the difference is what is motivating me, what's energizing me. I manipulate you for my benefit, but I um, persuade you for your benefit. And so, you know, these kids, I do that. You know, as a manager, you know, you, you, you work with a manager. As a manager expresses interest in you, as they share correction with you in private so you're not embarrassed in front of other people, as they're consistent with their promises, as they connect with you. These are all different ways that they're cultivating and developing influence in your life. They're developing the influence. So that when they say to you, hey, could you work that extra shift? It's, they're not going to say, can you work that extra shift because I'm the boss? Or can you work that extra shift because, you know, if you don't, I'm going to fire you? See? Low, low-level leadership, right? They, they want to have a relationship developed so that when they say to you, can you work that extra shift, inside you, you're actually going, I want to do that. I want to help them. If they need help in that way, I want to, I want to help them in that thing. There's something you're, you're, you, you're influenced. Pastors, the same thing with a pastor. Pastor remembers the prayer request that a person's given. And um, I used to, when I was pastoring, I used to keep postcards. And in the morning, I would, uh, on Monday morning, when I would come in, one of the first things I would do is I would sit down. And any, any need or request that I had heard during the weekend, I would just shoot a postcard to the person to say, hey, you know what? I'm thinking of you, praying for you this week. And just, 
just send that out. Why did I do that? I did that because I, it was a, just a little way where I could build just a little relationship, just a little connection, a little link with that person. Because I've discovered something, that somewhere down the line, I may need to exert some influence in the situation. It happens, you know, you take, uh, you share a meal with somebody, you visit during a time of need, that kind of thing. This is how you, you build up this, this, um, this uh, atmosphere, this environment. I remember when we were here, we were, uh, I was the pastor, and the Lord had spoken to us to build this building over here, you know, where the church is across the street. Well, this street right down here, for some reason, a bunch of the people on this street got fired up about the fact that we were going to build a building over here. And they started organizing meetings to oppose us. They wanted to oppose it in the town, you know. And so once I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to build a church building, and I have a neighborhood that is, like, totally angry and doesn't like this happening. I'm thinking, why, what is the problem? They're saying, uh, you know, the building's going to block our view of Rochester. You know what I mean? You know, well, if you... If you wanted the view, you should have bought the field. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, and, and uh, I mean, it got, it got really intense. as They were holding their meetings at the Lima Gun Club. That is not where you want people who don't, who don't like what you're doing, you know, to be meeting. You know what I'm saying? They're holding their meetings, their organizational meetings at the Lima Gun Club. Um, we, so, so, you know, I tried to, tried to uh, reach out to them a little bit. You know, they said, it's going to be so loud. They're going to be singing and making so much mu music over there and things. It's going to be so loud. We don't want that near our, you know, near our homes, near, near where we are. I mean, you, you see how far that street is from where the church is, right? But so we don't want that near our house. So, so then I, we communicated to everybody. It's, there won't even be a window in the in the whole sanctuary, I said, the whole thing is going to be air-conditioned, right? Then the next thing I saw was a piece of paper that was being spread around. Their air conditioners are going to be so big, it's going to be like airplanes landing in the back. This is, this is the honest truth. It's going to be like airplanes landing in that field, right? You know, and, and so, so all these things are happening. So I don't know what to do. You know, I'm thinking, what? You know, this is not what we're looking for, the fight with neighbors and... This kind of stuff. And so I started asking around. I said, I said, is there, who's the ringleader of this? Who is, what's, what's, what's the thing? And there was a little old guy on the street. I mean, he was probably in his 70s, late, maybe late 70s. Little old guy on the street. And uh, he was the person stirring up all this strife. So, so I said, get his number for me. I called him up and I said, hey, could we, could we eat? have a lunch together I'd like to share with you the plans for the for the for the building and so uh, he says yeah okay you know I'll do that so we went down to the little restaurant here in town and uh, we sat and ate lunch you know and we're sitting we're just talking you know he's telling me about his grandkids he's telling me about his wife passed away a little while ago and telling me just just telling me about different things that are happening and stuff like that and and, um, and so I said, uh, so I took out the plans and I started, I said, let's go through these plans on this building and the layout and the, where the lights are and everything. Tell me what you're concerned about, how we can make it better. So he goes through the plans. He barely, he 
he really hardly expresses any concern at all as we go through the plans. You know, I mean, I, you know, I thought, you know, he would mention the air conditioners, the airplane air conditioners, you know, and, you know, or the, or the, or the, the parking lot lights that were going to be shining in everybody's, uh, you know, uh, home and, and all that. He doesn't mention anything at all. He was, you go through, we go through, we go through the whole thing. And, uh, and, and I, I said, well, th you know, I really appreciate you taking some time with me and, and uh, thank you. And if you have any concerns at all, please feel free to contact me and boom, 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 boom. That's it. So I leave lunch. That's the end of the, of this street gathering. Talked to one person, had one lunch, just expressed a little interest in him and what was going on. And the, all of the opposition that we were facing went out the window. Why? Because a leader influences people to accomplish a purpose, right? And where did, the, where did my influence come with this guy? It wasn't because I was a pastor. It wasn't because my influence came because I expressed a little personal interest in him. Took him out to lunch, heard his heart, heard what was happening. Are you, are you with me? Are you following what I'm saying? So this is the way, this is the way uh, leadership works. Uh, in your notes it says this, B, influence increases with each positive impact on another's life and the success of the leader. So, you know, when people are working with you and good things happen and they feel successful, they feel positive, your influence increases in their life. And as you have some successes together, your influence increases in, in, in their relationship. And, and then C, influences is rooted in the credibility of the leader. Now, what is credibility? Credibility is composed of three elements, okay? Three elements. This isn't in your notes, but I'll just, just tell you this. It says, inf, uh, influence is rooted in the credibility of the leader. This is the last point we're going to make this morning. Credibility is composed of three elements. Integrity, competence, and favor. Now, let me explain to you the relationship here because it's an important one. A lot of times people think, when they think about um, leadership, they think of it as a spiritual thing. Well, there is a spiritual gift of leadership for sure. But they, they don't realize that leadership really is a skill also. Right? A skill that you can learn, right? How to be, how to influence other people to accomplish a purpose. It's a skill that you can learn. And just because a person is spiritual doesn't mean that they're necessarily a super effective leader. You can have a person who is sincere, high integrity, a man or woman of God, filled with the Spirit, good person, and they can be ineffective at, at trying to get something done. Right? At trying to lead something. Because we have a tendency to think that, that um, first of all, we have a tendency to think that if the person is a big leader, if I'm the pastor of a big church, that says I'm a spiritual person. It doesn't necessarily say I'm a spiritual person at all. It might just say that I've learned some things about the skills of leadership, right? It doesn't say, doesn't say anything about my spirituality. I've met some leaders that are real rascals, let me tell you. Leaders in the church that are, you know, I look at them and I think to myself, you are a rascal. You know, and, 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 and so, 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 so it's, but both of these elements are really important. You want to have a person of integrity, but you also want to have a person of competence, don't you? Right? 
What would you, if I were to say it to you like this, what would you rather be led by? A person with competence that can do things uh, and get things done but is a little sloppy on integrity or a person who has like got super high integrity but they can't really get themselves out of a paper bag? They, you know, they just, right? And the fact is, if you're listening, you're, if you're thinking about it at all, you're going to say to yourself, I really don't want to be with either one of those people. Right? I mean, I, 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 you know, I want to be with somebody who is spiritual and knows what they're doing, right? All three of those things, right? And then the third element is favor. So you see this, for example, when Nehemiah comes to uh, the city and he, he gathers all the elders and he begins to talk with them. The first thing he begins to do is he begins to tell them about uh, God's favor, over him and how the Lord opened door after door and got him to the place that he is. And then he begins to tell them his plan. He's gonna, he feels the wall can be rebuilt and it's going to happen. Uh, uh, different people or different families are going to take over little pieces of the wall and we're going to all work together. And we can, If we work together, we can all make this, this happen. He lays out his, his, his plan. And then he tells them, and you know what? I've been favored. I, 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 you know, I've had this this favor of God that has been on me, you know, and, and, and he lays this thing out, a man of integrity, a man of competence, a man of favor, and the people go, we want to help you get this thing done. We want to help you go after this thing. So all three of those things are really important, and the credibility, right, your credibility, that issue composed of those three things is really a key issue for leadership. Okay, we're going to talk more about this um, next week to kind of end our time off uh, this semester. Um, but I just want to pray with you just for a second before we, uh, before we go. Lord, I uh, look around this room and I see people of such amazing potential. And uh, that there's, a, uh, there's an anointing that you want to bring upon them. You want to use them in great ways to affect the world, to make an impact. And to do that, they're going to need to understand how leadership works. And I just, I just ask you, Lord, that you'll stir, begin stirring something up inside of them right now, a desire to want to be of influence, a desire to want to persuade, a desire to not just simply do themselves, but to get others involved in the doing. To, to serve in that kind of way. I thank you for it, Lord. Strengthen each heart as we finish up here this, this semester, finish up these last papers, prepare for these final tests. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen.